Chapter One, The Show-Off Cure. It was a beautiful morning. A bluebird sat on a small branch in the flowering cherry tree and swayed gently back and forth. A crocus pushed his golden head through the tender green grass and blinked in the sudden sunlight. Mrs. Carmody hummed as she laid slices of bacon in the black iron skillet. Spring is my favorite time of year, she said to Mandy, the dog who was lying in the kitchen doorway, scratching a flea and waiting to trip somebody. Mrs. Carmody plugged in the toaster, got out the raspberry jam, then went down the hall and called upstairs to her husband, Jordan, breakfast, and to her little boy. Philip, are you up? Philip, who is 10 years old and still under the covers, called out sleepily. Practically all dressed, Mom, be right down. Constance, his sister, who was 11 and three quarters, yelled from the bathroom where she was testing how lipstick would look when she was 13. Philip isn't even up, Mom. He won't be down for about 10 hours. Philip shouted, old spy, tattletale? Constance said, be quiet, little boy. You bore me. Mrs. Carmody called again louder. Philip, get out of bed this instant. Connie, wipe off that lipstick. Hurry, Jordan, dear, while the toast is hot. She went back to the kitchen and gave the percolator a little shake to hurry it up. Then she walked over and stood by the open back door, breathing deeply of the fragrant early morning air. Her pleasant reverie was suddenly broken by Mr. Carmody, who came grumpily into the kitchen, tripped over Mandy, and stepped heavily into her water bowl, which was on the floor beside the stove. Mrs. Carmody grabbed the sink sponge and began wiping up the ground. Mr. Carmody growled. Well, that's certainly a nice morning greeting. Mrs. Carmody said, Oh, Jordan, dear, I'm so sorry. Did you get wet? It doesn't matter, said Mr. Carmody mournfully. Nothing matters anymore. What do you mean nothing matters anymore? asked Mrs. Carmody as she squeezed out the sponge. Just that, said Mr. Carmody, sadly pouring almost the whole pitcher of cream on his shredded wheat biscuit. Are you sick? asked Mrs. Carmody, peering anxiously at him. No, I am not sick, he said, or at least I'm not physically sick just sick at heart. Mrs. Carmody buttered the toast, put the plates into the warm, stirred the eggs, lifted the bacon onto a paper towel to drain, checked the color of the coffee, refilled Mandy's water bowl, then said, what in the world are you talking about, Jordan? You don't make sense. You make sense to me, said Connie, flouncing into the kitchen, because I feel the same way. I'm so ashamed I could die. What in the world are you two talking about, said Mrs. Carmody. Are you ready for your eggs, Jordan? I suppose so, said Mr. Carmody dolefully. Quickly, said Mrs. Carmody. Quickly, Mrs. Carmody took the plates out of the oven, divided the eggs into four equal portions, added a dash of paprika, laid on four strips of bacon and two pieces of toast, carried two of the plates to the table and snapped them down in front of her husband and daughter. Now, she said, folding her arms, tell me what this is all about. Connie picked up a piece of bacon and began nibbling at it. Well, she said, if you really want to know. I do, said her mother. Well, Connie said, the point is that Philip is ruining all our lives and you won't face it. Ruining our lives? Philip, Mrs. Carmody, said, don't be ridiculous. I'm not being ridiculous, said Connie. Philip is such a disgusting little show-off. I'm ashamed to bring my friends home anymore. What about last night? He disgraced poor daddy. Mrs. Carmody gazed at her daughter intently for a minute, then said, Connie, you've got on lipstick again. Go upstairs and wash it off. Oh, honestly, Connie sighed. 
every every single girl in the whole United States of America wears lipstick but me. I'm just a freak, a poor little freak with a disgusting little brother. Yes, yes, I know, said her mother. Go up and wash the lipstick off. When she was sure she could hear Connie's furious footsteps on the stairs, she turned to her husband and said, Now, Jordan, dear, what is this all about? Mr. Carmody said, Meg, Philip is an obnoxious little show-off. Last night was the worst I've ever seen him. And Bob Waltham is my most important client, and frankly, I wouldn't blame him if he never came into this house again. Oh, Jordan, said Mrs. Carmody, laughing. Philip was just trying to be entertaining. You call putting a whole baked potato in his mouth entertaining? Do you call drinking an entire glass of water without stopping, then choking and turning purple and spitting water all over the table entertaining? Do you call looking cross-eyed, touching his chin with his tongue, wiggling his ears, standing on his head, reciting the alphabet backwards and forwards and sideways and upside down entertaining? Well, I don't, and neither did Bob Waltham. Now, Jordan, said Mrs. Carmody, you know that Bob Waltham is a stuffy old boar. You've said so yourself. And after all, Philip is only ten. He's just a little boy. You shouldn't be so hard on him. You mean he shouldn't be so hard on me, said Mr. Carmody, angrily ripping a piece of bread in half. Meg, something has to be done about that boy. Now, today. Just then, Philip came rattling down the stairs and skidded into the breakfast room. Hi, Dad. Hi, Mom, he said cheerfully. Morning, said Mr. Carmody grumpily. Good morning, Philip, dear, said Mrs. Carmody. Philip sat down, grabbed the sugar bowl, and began dumping sugar on his shredded wheat biscuit. Not so much sugar, honey, said his mother. Philip added two more heaping teaspoons of sugar, then dumped the rest of the pitcher of cream on his cereal. Looking brightly, eagerly at his father, he said, Hey, Dad, want me to put this whole shredded wheat biscuit in my mouth all at once? I do not, said his father. Not even if I whistled Dixie with it in my mouth? No, roared his father. Eat your breakfast, dear, said his mother, putting a fresh pitcher of cream on the table. <clears throat> what if I... Philip began. Stop talking, bellowed his father. Connie, who had come downstairs and was standing unnoticed in the doorway, said, What a repulsive little show-off. My gosh, mother, can't you see how disgusting he is? My gosh, mother, can't you see how disgusting he is? Mimicked Philip in a high, squeaky voice. Shoot him, mother, kill him. Cut him up with a butcher knife. Mommy, he embarrasses me in front of my stupid, ugly, giggling friends. Now, children, said Mrs. Carmody gently. Mr. Carmody glared around the table and said fiercely, I want absolute quiet. My gosh, Dad, what's the matter? Asked Philip. Are you sick or something? Yes, I'm sick or something, said Mr. Carmody, savagely, savagely jabbing a spoon into the raspberry jam. I'll get you an aspirin, said Philip, sliding out of his chair. I'll get two aspirins, and I'll carry them all the way downstairs on my nose. Watch me. Sit still, shouted Mr. Carmody. Sit still and eat your breakfast and don't talk. Well, okay, said Mr. Philip, but you don't have to be so crabby. Be quiet, yelled his father. Philip gave him a reproachful look, sat down again, and began to eat his shredded wheat biscuit. Mrs. Carmody brought her plate and Phillips from the kitchen and sat down. She looked out the window at the pale pink cherry blossoms and the clear sky and the fat bluebird swaying on the branch, but she no longer felt happy. She took a sip of coffee, which was lukewarm, and looked around the breakfast table. Philip was eating busily, 
But the minute she looked at him, he grinned broadly and whispered, Hey, Mom, want to watch me balance my cocoa cup on my forehead? She smiled, shook her head, and motioned for him to be quiet. Even if it's clear full of boiling hot chocolate? She shook her head. Even if it has a spoon in it? She shook her head. What a bunch of crab patches, Philip said. Quiet, bellowed his father. Philip reached for the jam dish and began carefully emptying it onto his plate. When breakfast was at last over and everyone had left for work or school, Mrs. Carmody heated up the coffee, poured herself a cup, and sat down at the table to look at the morning paper. Just as she opened the paper, the corner of her eye caught a glimpse of something white on the floor under Philip's chair. She reached over and picked up a small folded piece of paper. She opened it up, smoothed it out, and read, Dear Mrs. Carmody, I'm having a little difficulty with Philip. Will you please call me at your earliest convenience? Sincerely, Edith Periwinkle. Mrs. Carmody looked at her watch. It was four minutes to nine. Perhaps she could get Miss Periwinkle before the bell rang. She hurried into the hall and dialed the number of the school. When Miss Periwinkle heard Mrs. Carmody's anxious, worried voice, she said, I didn't intend to worry you, Mrs. Carmody. It isn't anything serious. It's just that Philip has become quite a, quite a, Show off, said Mrs. Carmody. Well, yes, said Mrs. Periwinkle. I guess that is the right word. I must also admit that he is very entertaining, and his little schoolmates think he is very funny and laugh at everything he does. Unfortunately, he no longer confines his antics to recess in the schoolyard, so I have to take steps, which is why I wrote the note. Well, said Mrs. Carmody, I should have seen it coming, because we are having our problems with him at home, too. Have you any suggestions? Yes, I have, said Mrs. Periwinkle. I think you should call Mrs. Pigglewiggle. You've heard of her, haven't you? I've heard of the name, said Mrs. Carmody. Is she some sort of doctor? Oh, my, no, said Mrs. Periwinkle. She is just a very nice little woman who loves and understands children and has a very magic way of curing their bad habits. Her telephone is Vine Maple 1-2345. Just a minute while I get a pencil, said Philip's mother. Of course, she couldn't find a pencil, but she did finally find a broken green crayon with which she wrote down Mrs. Piggawiggle's telephone number on the back of the gas bill. Mrs. Carmody's hand was shaking as she dialed the number, but Mrs. Piggawiggle had such a warm, friendly voice that Mrs. Carmody got right over her nervousness and told her all about Philip. Mrs. Piggawiggle laughed and said, Isn't it a shame that children can't be all evened up? I mean, some are show-offs, and some are shy, and some are quiet, and some are noisy, and some laugh too much, and some cry too much. Oh, I could go on and on, but loud or quiet, shy or show-offy, timid or boisterous, children are wonderful, and I love them all. So do I, said Philip's mother, and actually, Mrs. Pigglewiggle, Philip's showing off doesn't bother me, but his daddy says he is obnoxious, and his sister Connie says he is disgusting. And this morning, his teacher, Miss Periwinkle, told me that he is getting out of hand. Well, said Mrs. Piggawiggle, if it were only his older sister who complained about Philip, I would be inclined to let time work things out. But as long as Philip is annoying his daddy and Miss Periwinkle, who is one of the best fifth grade teachers in this county, then we had better take steps. Take steps? quavered Miss Philip's voice. What do you mean by take steps? Oh, it's very simple, said Mrs. Picklewiggle. Have Philip come down after school and I'll give him a bottle of show-off powder. For the next few days, sprinkle a little on him before meals, especially when you are having company. 
and just before he leaves for school in the morning. I'm sure you won't have any more trouble. But what is this show-off powder? Will it hurt, Philip? asked Mrs. Carmody fearfully. Show-off powder is guaranteed to be harmless, said Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, but it will stop showing off. You see, it makes the show-off invisible. Invisible, wailed Philip's mother. You mean I won't be able to see my own little boy? Not when he's showing off, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle matter-of-factly. Nobody will be able to see him. But when he stops showing off and is normal, he'll come back into focus. Are you sure? asked, Miss, asked Philip's mother. Oh, my, yes, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. Now don't worry about it. Just send Philip up after school. I know that everything is going to be fine. Goodbye and don't worry. But Mrs. Carmody did worry. She worried as she watched, washed the breakfast dishes and tidied up the house. She worried as she made out the grocery list and sorted the laundry. <clears throat> but she worried the most when she was straightening up Philip's room. What if this powder makes Philip disappear and then something goes wrong and he won't come back, she sobbed as she took two apple cores, three funny books, a slingshot, and an empty box of Smith, Smith Brothers cough drops out from under Philip's pillow. Philip's room was so messy, and she was in there such a long time picking up and imagining terrible things, that she finally decided not to send for the magic show-off powder. That old powder was far too dangerous to use on a sensitive, intelligent little boy like Philip. And anyway, Philip's showing off was really very clever. Maybe someday he'd be on the stage. Then the front door crashed open. A loud voice yelled, Mom! Hey, Mom! Where are you? And Philip was home from school. Mrs. Carmody rushed downstairs, and sure enough, there was Philip, very much alive and visible, sitting at the kitchen table, wolfing down gingerbread and milk, his back toward his mother, but she could see that one sleeve was ripped out of the sweater. Philip, his mother said, what in the world happened to your sweater? I fell off my bike, Philip said through a mouthful of gingerbread. Oh, sweetheart, his mother said, running to him, did you hurt yourself? Oh, not much, Philip said, kind of tore my pants through and ripped one of my new school shoes. See? He held out one leg and showed his mother a pant leg ripped jaggedly to the knee. He held out the other and showed her his brown Oxford with a large tear over the instep. He also had a cut over his eye, a skinned place on his nose, and blood on his chin. Oh, Philip, his mother said. You might have been killed. Were you hit by a car? Uh-uh, Philip said. Did some big boy push you? Gosh, no, Philip said. Well, then what ha happened, his mother asked. Oh, nothing. Philip drained his glass of milk. Can I have another piece of gingerbread, Mom? Certainly, said his mother, but first I want to know about the accident with your bike. Well, Philip said, if you really want to know, I was sitting in the basket of my bike, riding down Mission Hills, backwards, singing Polly Wally Doodle, and I saw the bread truck coming, and I guess I didn't turn soon enough, and I ran into the Wallace's iron fence, and I caught my shoe on the pedal, and my pants on the picket, and I hit my eye on the handlebars, and I don't know what else happened. But boy, you should have heard the kids and that old bread men laugh. No doubt, said his mother dryly. Now you go upstairs and change your trousers and your shoes. Bring me the trousers to mend. Take the torn shoe down to Mr. Rizzotti and ask him if he can put a patch on it. And on your way home, stop at Mrs. Pigglewiggle's. She has something for me. Do you know where Mrs. Pigglewiggle lives? Sure I do, Philip said. We play down there all the time. What's she got for you? Never mind, said his mother. Just don't forget to stop by there. Now scoot.